Welcome back to the Blaze Experience, everyone. So excited to be back here with you again. Today, you are back and joining us for episode number 30. Yeah, that's right. It's our 30th episode. I'm very, you know, proud of that. And I'm very happy to keep continuing this podcast. You know, when I started this, I didn't think we'd necessarily get this far. But, you know, we're, we're trucking along and we're, we're continuing to grow. And I'm really excited about that. So thank you very much. And I appreciate everyone continuing to support the podcast. But that being said, you know, this is a Saturday, of course. So we are actually launching another State of Decay episode, just as we do every Saturday. And today's episode is going to be on bases in Cascade Hills. Previously, I've done an episode on Drucker County bases, so it's time that I get into bases on another map on Cascade Hills, and we're going to talk about all those bases today. Kind of like the Drucker County episode, we're going to go through all the bases, you know, talk about um, great things about them, maybe some of the flaws that some of them might have. And then at the end, we're going to rank them. And I I will say up front that unlike the Drucker County episode, it was a lot harder for me to rank these bases on Cascade Hills. I I think a lot of these bases on Cascade Hills are pretty well balanced, honestly. So it was a little bit harder for me to rank that because Drucker County, for example, there's one base in particular that I really didn't like, but there's no bases on Cascade Hills that I really, you know, think are a horrible base. So that is a good thing for sure. But before we get into that, we just have a couple of, you know, things to take care of for podcast news first. I will announce that our next stream will be Tuesday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time, and we will be streaming some more Vigor. So Vigor is that game by Bohemia Interactive if you haven't checked it out yet. So if you haven't checked it out, you know, tune into my stream on Tuesday and I'll stream some Vigor. I did stream some more State of Decay today. And I'm recording this on a Friday. I stream State of Decay every Friday from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then if I have extra time, I usually try to stream some State of Decay if I have extra time in there as well. And then I will announce that our next episode of the podcast, next Wednesday, we will have an episode on Sea of Thieves. So, you know, tune into that if you like some more Sea of Thieves coverage. This will be an episode on the lore book for Sea of Thieves. So the lore book is a physical book that you can... Uh, go by for Sea of Thieves, and I'm going to be talking about all the things in that lore book. So that'll be you know, a fun episode, and we'll get into that. But last but not least, I have been teasing throughout the last couple episodes of the podcast that I might have some State of Decay 2 news coming up, and I think it's time we share a little bit of that news. What do you think? So, you know, all this week um, and leading up to this week, I've been working very hard on planning some state of decay stuff and i'm going to reveal a little bit about that now i'm not going to reveal the entire thing yet but as we move closer to the event then we will reveal more of it but what is this event i'm talking about well myself and p1 gamer p1 gamer is actually the streamer that was featured on the last undead lab stream it's a great guy and you should definitely go check his stream out it's twitch.tv slash p1 gamer i believe I will uh, double check that and get that link in the show notes for you if you want to check him out. But he also has a Mixer and YouTube channel. So just search P1 Gamer and you'll be able to find him at all those. But P1 Gamer and I are actually collaborating and putting together a giant event for State of Decay content. So what it's going to be is the week that the new DLC launches for State of Decay, that DLC launches September 12th. From September 9th to September 15th, that entire week, 
P1 and I have worked together to put on what we're calling Decay Fest. And now Decay Fest is going to be a week-long celebration of State of Decay. And that's why we're calling it Decay Fest. We thought it was you know, a pretty good name, pretty fitting. So this will be the first ever Decay Fest. And what Decay Fest is going to be is a lot of content creators for State of Decay coming together to you know, give back to the community and the developers. So this Decay Fest event, what this is supposed to be is a way to say thank you to Undead Labs, first of all. Because, you know, we really appreciate that they made this game and they're doing such a great job developing it and giving us further content to enjoy. So thank you very much, Undead Labs. You know, this is, first of all, a thank you to you because all of you at Undead Labs are working very hard on this game and we really appreciate it. So all of us content creators, we really appreciate it and we want to thank you sincerely for that. So this is, first of all, a thank you to you that we're putting on this event. Secondly, this is a way to get the community together and try and, you know, have a community run event that we all get together and just try and enjoy the game and just enjoy everything it has to offer. And thirdly, it's a way for all the content creators to try and, you know, bounce off of each other and try and work together to create something that everyone can enjoy together. So that's kind of like the purpose of it. But, you know, thank you, Undead Labs. And I appreciate everyone also who is joining this event so far. So far, as of this recording, we have five Mixer streamers, five Twitch streamers, three YouTubers, and myself podcasting. So, so far, we have 15 content creators for State of Decay taking part in this event. And basically how the event is going to work, every day for that week from September 9th to September 15th, we are going to have new content for the community to enjoy. So we're going to have streams, we're going to have YouTube videos, we're going to have podcasts. It's going to be a week-long celebration of State of Decay, and P1 and myself have worked very hard to organize all this, and we can't promise that it'll be set up perfectly to where there's going to be something 24-7, but we're trying to set it up as close as possible to where if you are wanting some State of Decay content, you can tune in any day, anytime, and find that content. That's what we're trying to set up. There's probably going to be a little bit of gaps, but, you know, say uh, Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, you want to tune in and watch some State of Decay. We're going to try and have a streamer on that you can go, oh, Monday, 3 p.m., look at the schedule. You can go visit that streamer and watch that streamer stream some State of Decay. And that's basically what we're trying to do. And we're trying to support each other as content creators and make a way that everyone can kind of benefit in this situation. I mean... We think that all the content creators are benefiting from this. We think the community is benefiting from this. And we think, you know, it helps Undead Labs too because it gets more word out about the game and it gets more hype on the game. That's what we want to do. We want to hype up the game and we want to just celebrate the game as a whole because it's a great game and I love this game. And, you know, I know I'm speaking for P1 as well that we both really love this game and we really want to see it succeed. So... I think this is a way that, you know, benefits everyone involved and really makes for a very fun event. So we will release more info on that um, coming up. But I wanted to, you know, let everyone know that that's what I've been working on. So you're going to see a lot more info about that coming soon. But I'm working on the schedule with the other content creators now. And we're trying to come up with a schedule that works well and gives a lot of content to everyone. You know, basically Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that will be days that we're providing content, you know, that is based on what we have right now. 
And then Wednesday, the DLC comes out. So Wednesday, September 12th, from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, a lot of that content will be centered around the Daybreak DLC. So you're going to get half the week where we're, you know, celebrating what's available in the base game and half the week we're probably going to be celebrating what's available in the DLC. So we have a lot planned. Um, We have some co-streams planned. You know, we're hopefully going to have a couple of giveaways. We don't have um, a ton to give away right now, but I know I still have a DLC code for the independence pack. So I am going to give one code away for that at some point during the week. And I think P1 said he might have a couple of things to do for giveaway. So we're going to try and do some giveaways, but we don't have a lot of things to give away right now. But, you know, we'll, we'll try and do a few giveaways. But overall, it's just a way to celebrate the game and just celebrate having some state of decay. So, you know, it's going to be a great week. And I hope everyone is able to tune in for that week. I mean, you know, it, it's going to be all week long. So I would hope that anyone listening to this has time to, you know, tune in at some point during the week. We're not expecting everyone to tune in every day, but if you want to tune in every day, that's even better. Then we'll have some content for you every day. But we're going to have some great YouTube videos. We're going to have some great podcasting and some great streams. And we found some, you know, great content creators to take part in this. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. But that being said, you know, that was the big thing I've been working on for so long. And I'm really excited to actually announce it now. It it. It's something that I've been very excited to be working on, and I'm even more excited that now that I can announce it. So very happy to announce it, and I'm very happy that we are getting the ball rolling with this. And if this goes well, which we're you know hoping it will, then we will have more community events in the future. So you know, don't expect this to be the last uh, community event. Hopefully, at some point, we'll have like a Decay Fest two or something. You know, a Decay Fest two to honor State of Decay two. That'd be kind of fun. So we're hoping you know, to have more events in the future, but we'll see how this one goes first. And from this one, we'll kind of take it from there. But if you want to, um, you know, definitely get in touch with P1 or myself. If you are a content creator and you, you know, do a lot of content creation for State of Decay and you aren't a part of this already, definitely get in touch with P1 or myself and let us know. There's still a little bit of time to join in on this if you're a content creator. Not a ton of time left, but if you, you know, hear this over the weekend, then we could probably get you in. But we're trying to finalize the schedule fairly soon. So there's not much time left, but if you get in touch with us pretty soon, then we might be able to fit you in still. And if you are a player or fan of State of Decay, then, you know, just sit back and wait for some more news. And we're going to have some more news coming out soon. And I hope you all enjoy it. But that's basically all I had for, you know, news at the top of the podcast. So... Now we will get into the bases in Cascade Hills. So first off, we're going to talk about all the bases and then we're going to rank them. And, you know, that'll be kind of how we do this podcast. So the first base we're talking about in Cascade Hills is the Bridge Fort. Now the Bridge Fort, it costs you 500 influence. It's going to take four people to claim it. And these are the existing facilities there. It has two shelter beds, three parking spots, a Western watch post, an Eastern watch post, one large slot open, one open indoor slot, and two open outdoor slots. So all in total, it has one large and three small slots. And it's going to have, you know, some beds and a little bit of parking there for you. And then it has the two wash posts. So with this base, aesthetically, it's one of the coolest bases aesthetically. I mean, you know, having a base out of a fort, that's really cool. So aesthetically, it's one of the coolest bases. But... In functionality, this base doesn't really function that well to 
keep you there a long time because this is probably going to be you know the next base you go to after your starting base but it doesn't offer a lot for you that the starting base doesn't already offer i mean the starting base already has a couple of parking spots it only offers one more parking spot than that the starting base actually has more beds than the bridge force you're losing beds if you go here and then this only has one large slot that the starting base doesn't have so for 500 influence you're paying for one large slot you're paying to lose beds and gain a parking spot and then you have the watch post too but the watch post i don't really factor in too much because i mean not being able to do anything else these two watch posts aren't going to really help you out that much because you can't really do a whole lot with this base so i think this is a base that if you haven't tried it out yet it's definitely fun to try it out just for the aesthetic appeal to it so you know this is a base that i would say is a novelty base that you definitely want to try the set base out at least once you know try it out spend a couple of days there you know make it early in your playthrough though i wouldn't do this as a late playthrough but make it early in your playthrough try it out and kind of enjoy that base but unfortunately as much as i love the aesthetics of the bridge fort i probably won't be going back there anytime soon because you know once you get the feel of it the first time it's not really that functional to help you out i mean your bed situation is going to be completely out of whack because you only have two shelter beds you know there's not really much you can do with that it's if you want to have a bigger community there i mean for four people you can make it work if you have like a beds outpost something like that but if you want to have a large community at the bridge for you, you can't really do it. You can't sustain there at all because you only have three small slots. You're probably going to use an infirmary there. You're probably going to use a workshop there. And you're probably going to use that third slot for like a garden or maybe a hydroponics or whatever you have the you know capacity to have based on your characters. But that's basically all your slots already taken up. And then you have one large slot. So, I mean, if you're building your leader building, that's basically all your things already picked for you. And you don't really have any choice as a player. You know, you could build like a lounge there. But I mean, there's just not a lot of options with the bridge for which I, I do understand that the developers when they made this one, they probably didn't intend it to be like where a large community goes to. So, you know, if this is a small community going here, you know, it, it definitely does sustain for a small community. But I mean, if you're planning on having a community that's more than five people, I would say anything over five people it's really hard to sustain here very well. So I would say five is like the max you ever want to have here. And that's why for me, because I'm, you know, experiencing the game now, it doesn't really suit me to go to the bridge for it that much. But the aesthetic appeal, I will say that the art team did an amazing job with the look of this bridge fort because the look really is awesome and it feels really cool to live in a bridge fort. So aesthetically i love it it's just i wish the base was designed to function for a bigger community which if you're listening to this now before daybreak launches i know that daybreak is going to have some facilities that come that are red talent facilities that will actually help with situations like this that will make some of the smaller bases a little bit more viable because like the red talent barracks that's coming if you stick a red talent barracks in the base like this that actually helps you have a bigger community there so there's going to be things coming in the future, I think, that will help correct some of these situations. But I think right now the Bridge Fort is a base that if you haven't tried it out once, definitely try it out once because it really feels nice to live there. But if you've already tried it out once, I would say probably don't go back to the Bridge Fort. But next we have the Church on the Hill. 
So the church on the hill costs you a thousand influence to get it. It takes five people to claim this base. And the existing facilities, it has a bell tower, it has four parking spots, and it has two clearable slots of pews. Those both become small slots afterwards. It also has a passive slot called Gorgeous Environment, which gives you morale boost. And then it has a couple of open slots. It has a large open slot, a small indoor open slot, and then two small outdoor open slots. So if you were to clear the church pews, then basically what you have with this base all in total is you have one large slot and five small slots. So it's honestly, you know, a pretty good amount of space. I mean, five small slots, you can do a lot of things with those small slots, but it does always stink when a base doesn't have two large slots because it's very nice and it's like a luxury to have two large slots because any base that has two large slots is usually a base I'm going to prefer. I think, you know, getting to three large slots, you don't need as much, but I think two large slots is probably the sweet spot because having two large slots with some small slots with that, I think that's what I personally prefer as a player, but I will give this space props that it has four parking spots. That is very nice. And honestly, the location of this space is really cool too. I mean, it's what you think it would be a church on the hill and the aesthetics again, like I think the bases in Cascade Hills, for whatever reason, I like the look of them a lot better than some of the bases in like say Drucker County. Not to say, you know, the Drucker County bases aren't great. Like I love the feel of all the bases overall. Like I think the team did a great job building all the bases, but I think the art team especially did a great job with the look and the feel of the bases at Cascade Hills. And I I think Brian Giami, who did a lot of the design work on these bases, did a great job designing them as well. I don't know if he technically did all the art for them or if, you know, somebody else helped with that. But um, honestly, these bases, they just look amazing. And the church on the hill is no exception because it really feels like you're living at a church on the hill. Like it, it does what the job is supposed to do. And I love that about it. I will say the bell tower that comes with it, that is a nice feature. It gives you, you know, a little bit of, it gives you a little bit of help with threat level. And then if you use the bell, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to give you negative seven threat for 31 minutes. And then it's supposed to cause a zombie attack because what it says in the description is, um, caution causes zombie attack in yellow i even tried it as soon as go as today and when i rang the bell no zombies came it didn't cause a zombie attack so i don't know if that's a bug that you know maybe the devs if they listen to this want to look into that but the bell at the church on the hill i think it's the only base in in state of decay 2 that actually has a feature like this where you can you know purposely try try to draw zombies to you I think maybe the movie projector in Knight's Family Drive-In does that same effect, possibly, but the bell literally says on it, if you use it, it's supposed to cause a zombie attack, and I didn't have that happen, so that's maybe something that the devs can look into, you know, when they um, are working on this next patch that's going to be upcoming at some point, but that bell tower didn't seem to work properly for me, which for a lot of players, you know, that's a good thing, because you're basically getting only the positive effect because I did get the negative seven threat. So I got the negative seven threat, but I didn't get a zombie attack. So basically you just hit a button and you get negative seven threat and there's no, you know, negative effect to that at all. So for the player, it's definitely nice. But for me as an experienced player, I actually wanted that zombie attack. Like I was kind of excited. I'm like, oh, I get a free zombie attack. Let me take it. You know, let me hit this bell. Let me get those zombies. 
I actually was excited for the zombie attack, but then it was kind of a letdown when I'm like, oh, well, no zombies came. That, that kind of sucks. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to fight some zombies. So it, it depends on, you know, how you're looking at it. If you're someone that's, you know, having a more difficult time surviving, then it would definitely help you to have it this way because you're literally just getting positive effect and that's it. But for me, I wanted to use it as like a free way to have a zombies attack me because I kind of like when a horror comes to my base and I have to defend my base and it would be really cool if this worked the way I think it was intended to work where like if I could just hit this every 30 minutes and be like, okay, zombie attack, 30 minutes, zombie attack, zombie attack. You could almost make it like sort of like a mini daybreak mode. It could be like a mini horror mode for you where you could just have constant waves of zombies coming in every 30 minutes, which would be kind of fun to use it that way, which I know obviously the daybreak mode is going to do a horde a lot better, but this would be kind of fun to use like a mini horde. Like, you know, oh, I'm playing for a couple hours. I, I kind of feel like a horde now. Let me go hit my bell and, you know, let me have a horde come to my base. So it'd be kind of cool if it did work that way. I feel like it was supposed to be designed that way, but maybe there's a bug with it or maybe the text that says it's supposed to cause a zombie attack. Maybe that text is inaccurate and maybe that text was supposed to say, you know, might cause a zombie attack instead of causes. So it might just be something as simple as that. Maybe, you know, whoever put the text on there, maybe the text is supposed to say this may cause a zombie attack. That way it's like a chance to cause a zombie attack. Because the way the text is written right now, it sounds like it definitely causes one when it doesn't definitely cause one from what my experience is. But overall, this base is pretty good. I mean, for the price of it, though, it's not the greatest value for the price, I would say, just because... Let's look at it from the starting base perspective. I mean, from the starting base, you have your three small slots already, right? So you're going from that to this. So you would have two extra small slots and one extra large slot if you went right from the starting base to here. And you will get two extra parking spots, which is nice too. So you get two extra parking spots, you get two extra small slots, and you get an extra large slot. But the problem is, this does not come with any built-in bases, and... I think a lot of these bases of this size suffer from that because if it doesn't come with any built-in beds at all, it does make it a little bit hard because, you know, it sounds like a lot, one large slot and five small slots, but what the surface of that doesn't tell you is the surface of that doesn't tell you you're going to have to deal with beds. So you're going to have to find a way to get beds in there somehow. So you might have to use, you know, two of those small slots just to make beds. And if you have to use two of those small slots just to make beds, you're pretty much right back to where the bridge fort was. Because say you took up two small slots with beds, right? Now you're back to one large slot and three open slots for small slots. So basically, you're just gaining one large slot. You're taking care of your bed situation and you have two parking spots. So for that reason, you know, cost effectiveness, it's, it's not that cost effective to go to this base. Because if you look at it that way, you know, you have your beds already taken up. You got, you have to have an infirmary. That's another slot. You got to have your workshop probably. That's another slot. But basically, you're not going to have a lot of room to work with. So and if you take away the infirmary and the workshop as well, so you're building infirmary, workshop, your two bed slots, all you're really going to have is one small slot and one large slot to use how you want. So it doesn't offer you a lot of variety if you look at it that way. And with the bell tower not working the way it's supposed to, it, it kind of takes away some of the appeal of it. I mean, it is really fun to sit in that bell tower because it does have a very nice view of the whole area and it's really nice to sit up there. But I mean, for the most part, the way I look at this, you're you're paying for a large slot and two sparking spaces. 
which as a lot of experienced players know, you can stretch your parking spaces out. You can get, you know, a few different cars in one parking spot. So, you know, having two parking spots, you can still make use of that. You know, having four is obviously better, but I mean, paying a thousand influence for this base, I don't think it's something I'm really you know keen on doing. So it's not a horrible base, but I think for the cost, it, it doesn't really benefit you that well because you're going to have that situation where you have no beds and you're going to have to deal with that situation. And that can be kind of a crummy situation to deal with if you don't know what you're doing, because if you don't know the best ways to get beds into a tight area like that, you know, if you don't know, oh, I have I have my options, I have a barracks, I can make some beds outposts. If you don't know all the ways to switch things around to make a base effective, it, it could be very tricky to make this base work for you. Because it's my understanding, like it's my personal feeling that most of the bases in State of Decay 2, like despite what, you know, people say about any of the bases, m- majority of the bases you can make work. I mean, I think I think there's 21 total bases. I think there's seven on each map. So out of that 21, there's probably like five or less bases that I personally feel you can't make work no matter what you do. But most of the bases, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can make it work. So you're gaining like, you know, you're gaining materials, you're gaining meds, you're gaining food. Most of the bases you can make work if you know what you're doing. So this is definitely one of those bases like I mean, I could probably make this base work if I wanted to, honestly, but it's just not something that is going to be as advantageous, and it's going to be something that you have to be more experienced to make this base viable for you, I would say. So for anyone that's a little bit, you know, less experienced right now, I would say when you get more experience, you know, maybe try this base out and then try to make it work for you. But I would say try to go for one of the bases that is a little bit more suitable for players that are um, still learning the game more. It's definitely not a knock on anyone. You know, if you're newer, then, you know, that's great. Like, you know, we're happy to have you as part of this community because we love everyone in this community, you know, is very friendly for the most part. And we love new players in this community. So, you know, welcome to the community. I'm glad you're actually playing the game. But if you're newer, then I would say wait a little bit on this base because this base is going to be a little bit harder for you to use right off the bat. And, you know, if you are newer, definitely get in contact with me if you want. I'd be happy to help you out with anything you need. But we're going to kind of move on to the next base now. The next base is the corner office. And I like the feel of this base, honestly. Like the first time I went to Cascade Hills, this is the base that I finished my playthrough on. So, you know, this is a base that you can end the game on because this is the base I used right up to the end of my playthrough. And I beat the Trader Legacy with this base. So this is the base that I beat the Trader Legacy on. So it, it is viable enough to do that. But I would say it's not the best solution you have in in this map. It's going to cost you a thousand influence to go here. It's going to take five people to claim. And the existing facilities it has, it has a cheek eatery kitchen. It has an overlook, has two shelter beds, two parking slots. The open slots it has, it has one large slot, one small indoor slot, and three small outdoor slots. So all in all, this base has one large slot three small slots. You're going to have your overlook, which functions fairly well. Basically, it's a couple floors, you know, of an office and you go up to the top floor. It's kind of like the roof of the office building. And there's an overlook looking over the roof of the office building. And you kind of see the streets. You can kind of see a little bit around you, but it's not that high up. So you can't see a lot, but you can see a little bit of the surrounding area. It's kind of a decent overlook. I mean, and you're having um one small slot on the roof and 
you have a couple of small slots, you know, on the next floor down and then the bottom floor. I think you have uh, some outside. One of the biggest drawbacks to this base is the parking situation. It only has two parking spots and the way the parking is situated, it's kind of like an enclosed area. So with a lot of bases, you know, if it has a couple of parking spots, you can usually get a lot of cars to fit into that gap and make them count as being parked. So you can probably fit like, you know, three, maybe if you really finagle it, maybe four cars onto one parking spot and have them count as parked. But with this base, the way the parking is situated, it's a lot harder to make the parking work because, you know, it has two parking spots and you're probably only going to be able to fit like four to four four to five cars in that area just because the area is so small so it's not like you know say like the abandoned strip mall where you have a lot of room to park cars or something you don't have a lot of uh room to actually use your cars i mean you could park them on the street like you know people would have done if they actually worked at this building probably so you could technically do that but you're not going to have them kind of sparked and then again there's also the bed issue so you know you'd have to have a lot of bed outpost or you'd have to have some of your small slots taken up by beds and that really devalues this base because you're gonna have to use at least one of those slots for beds probably and then if you do that you're gonna have to use you know one for an infirmary one for a workshop probably so you're basically back down to that same one large slot and one small slot so Again, the thousand influence, it's not the best use of your influence for this, I think, which I think is the kind of the case with a lot of these thousand influence bases. I, I think a lot of these thousand influence bases, they're nice to try out just to kind of see how it feels in the base. But overall, the thousand cost influence bases aren't worth your influence as much, I would say. But I mean, having the kitchen there is nice. You can make like nutritious snacks if you had someone with cooking skill, things like that. So it's not that bad. Um, I don't know, there's not really a lot else to say about this base. I mean, I used it for a while. It it can get the job done. You can make it viable, but it's not a base that you really want to make viable, I would say. Like, it's kind of like a lot of these bases where if you had to, you could make this base work. But there's other options that are just more worth your time and more worth your influence. And they're just more fun to use, I would say, because... You know, again, kind of like the church on the hill we just talked about, I would say it's harder to make a base like this work. And, you know, maybe now that I'm thinking about it more, it seems like the system works a little backwards in a sense that, you know, the more experienced you are, the better you can use these thousand influence bases. The less experienced you are, you're going to want like some of those 3,500 influence bases that kind of like do more of the things for you. So it seems a little weird in a way. Like it's not like Undead Lab's fault exactly because it's kind of hard to design it in a way that has, you know, even progression like that. But for a newer player, it's actually harder for a newer player to use these smaller bases because they have to better know what they're doing to make good use of that base. So for a newer player, it's actually better for them to use the bases that cost more because those bases are easier to use since there's a lot more space available. For a more experienced player, you know, they can still use the higher cost bases, obviously, but the more experienced players are the ones that could really make these thousand cost influence bases work more. So it's kind of unfortunate in some ways that for a new player, you know, you're probably moving to one of these bases 
right after your home base and it's probably a little bit hard for you to make that work for community but at the same time if you're newer at this game it takes five people to claim the corner office you're probably not going to have that much more than that so with five people you can make this work a little bit more because the way i'm looking at a lot of these bases is can you sustain a you know full-scale community here and a lot of these bases you know that are smaller it's hard to make that work you can make it work if you really finagle things but it's harder to do that now if you go with like the five people that is recommended here you can definitely make that work and i think that's kind of the issue that a lot of players that play for a while are running into now is the bigger you build your community there's less bases that can actually sustain what you're building so it's kind of unfortunate in a way because instead of doing a lot of you know playthroughs a lot of people are doing a lot of playthroughs where they keep the same community and keep that community going. And if you're doing that, there's less reason to use these smaller bases. So that might be something that Undead Labs might want to look into in the future to like how we can get players back to these smaller bases, which I think with the Red Talon facilities, that's part of what they're doing is having facilities that are better. So it gets players to use these smaller bases more often, which I'm definitely all for that because I like using variety, so I think it's a great thing that they're making these Red Talon facilities that will hopefully get players to use the smaller bases more often. But, I mean, the corner office, you know, it's not the worst bait in the world, but it's got the two parking slots, which is the biggest knock against it, probably, and the bed situation is the other knock. I mean, with the bed situation, it's kind of hard to make that work a little bit. But next we have the Just-to-Know House. The Just-to-Know House is your starting base for this map. So a lot of people probably already know what this one does, but it has three people to claim it, which I've never officially got a answer on that. If like, say you switched maps and you only had three people and one of those died, I'm not certain if you can actually claim a starting base still. So that's one thing I've never officially tried or um, I've never officially asked the devs about yet. So, you know, I'm not sure if you only have two people if you're still allowed to claim a starting base because technically you wouldn't have the three people you usually start with at the start of the game but this base is free on influence so i'm not sure how that works i'm not sure if you'd have to actually now that i think about it though you're not going to have the issue now that i think about it because now after patch 3.0 you're supposed to when you switch maps automatically go into a base so you shouldn't have that issue then so if you only had two people left, you should automatically go into this base. So now that I've uh, talked through that, you know, you shouldn't have any issues. But it's zero influence, so it's free. And it's three people to claim, usually. The existing facilities, you have the chef's kitchen, the master bedroom, the double bunk room, clearable trash slot, two parking slots, and two open small outdoor slots. So all in all, you have three small slots with this base. And you have, you know, a decent bed situation. I mean, the way they made these starting bases, honestly, Undead Labs did a great job. And, you know, I'm sure Brian Giami was a big part of this. And, you know, these bases were designed very well for the starting bases because they really sustain really well for a starting base. You know, for a giant community, you're not going to be able to have a giant community in this base. But for a starting base, like this really provides you everything you need to start out because three small slots you can do a lot with those three small slots when you have a brand new community and then it has a kitchen it's got you know great amount of beds for the situation you need it's got the double bunk room it's got that you know big bed so 
It's got two parking slots. That's great starting out. And it's free. So, I mean, honestly, like the fact that it's free, this base provides better value than some of the 500 or even a thousand cost bases. So because this base costs nothing and it provides you that much for nothing, it has better value for you than a lot of the 500 influence bases or the thousand influence bases. So in, in a lot of situations, I would almost recommend staying here until you get enough influence to buy, you know, some of the other bases than moving to like a 500 cost base. But I think it's good to at least, you know, try out every base in the game at least once or just at least claim them so you can kind of see the feel of it. But once you've done that, I think this starting base, the Justino House, it provides more value to you to actually just stay here and build up your influence and then get the base you want. Because say you went to the bridge fort after this, the bridge fort isn't a horrible base by any means, but the value isn't there to pay 500 influence to switch to the bridge house or the bridge fort, sorry. The value is just not there to do that. You'd, you'd be better off staying at the Justino house and building up your influence. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to spend any more time on that, really, because, I mean, everyone pretty much knows what the starting base does. Next, we have a pretty interesting base. We have lock and key self-storage. This will cost you 1,500 influence to claim. It takes six people to claim this base. And the existing facilities it has, it has elaborate storage, two shelter beds, a secret distillery, three parking slots, one watchtower, two abandoned lockers that are clearable, one large slot, and two small outdoor slots. So all in all, this space is one large slot and four small slots. So it has pretty good value with that. I mean, I wish it had two large slots technically, but it does have some nice built-ins. It has the secret distillery, which if you have a trader leader, which I do right now, Having that secret distillery already built in, that's really cool because you don't have to build a still yourself. And honestly, the the job that they did on this built-in, like if you just go check out this base and check out that secret distillery, like the art and how that looks is amazing. They did such a great job designing this actual facility because this secret distillery, it looks so cool seeing all that place there. You know, you have like uh, empty jugs and different things like that. And you could really see how they use this as a secret distillery. So, you know, this is probably one of my favorite locations just from the looks of it, because the way they designed this base, it looks really cool. It looks like, you know, like you'd see a storage lockers. And basically, you know, these storage lockers are where you're putting all your stuff. So this secret distillery is in a storage locker. And that is really cool as a concept because, you know, there's probably somebody out there that has a storage locker and they have a secret distillery in their storage locker, you know. There's probably somewhere in America that that's happening. So, or, you know, let's not even limit to just America. I mean, there's probably somewhere else in the world that this is happening too. So that's a really cool concept, like that they actually thought of the application of that where, oh, what might somebody have in their storage locker? Hey, maybe they have a distillery in their storage locker. You know, maybe they do. So that's a really cool concept that the team thought of and major props to them for thinking of that because... That is something that could actually happen, technically. I mean, I don't think, you know, there's probably a lot of distilleries in storage lockers, but there's got to be one somewhere in the world, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'd have to imagine somebody's doing it in the world. But the aesthetic of that just looks amazing. And also this watchtower you get here, the watchtower is really cool because it has a nice view of the area and it's just fun to sit up in that watchtower and, you know, look, look over the area. And... Probably the highlight of this base, honestly, like even more than things I've already talked about, 
the elaborate storage. This elaborate storage is amazing because it gives you plus 45 storage for everything. So literally everything, you're going to have 45 storage. And that is huge because every, you know, fuel, you're going to have food, meds, everything's going to have 45 storage. And that's really nice because normally you can get some things up to that level. But, you know, say you have like a fire safe storage, you can get to your ammo and your fuel up to 45, but you can't get your meds up to 45. So like you're going to have drawbacks to most of these other storages. You know, if you have like a... If you have like a upgrade material storage where you can up, you know store more materials, but a lot of these level three storages they have certain things you're not going to have as much of. With this elaborate storage at lock and key, you're going to have forty five for everything. The only drawback to that is you can't actually place the facility mod in there, and I feel like they made it this way as a balancing issue because if you could place a facility mod in there as well to gain more storage on top of this elaborate storage then in that case, it might be a little bit too unbalanced. So maybe they did some tests with that and it was too unbalanced to do that. But even without being able to place a mod in there, like it's really cool to actually use the storage because you're going to have storage for whatever you need pretty much. And you're not really going to need to use your mods as much because I mean, 45 is plenty to store anything in your base. So that is very handy. In terms of the slots available, I mean, I do wish there was another large slot available, but um, four small slots. I mean, it is, you know, decent enough. I mean, cause you're going to have, you're still going to have that beds issue. You only have two shelter beds. So you're gonna have to deal with the beds issue somehow. So you're probably gonna have to use one small slot for beds or make a barracks or something like that. But you know, if you have that bed sit- situation taken care of with one of the slots, then what you can do is use another slot for infirmary. You can use another slot for a workshop. And you're pretty good to go. You still have a large slot and a small slot to work with. So you can make this base work. Um, It might be a little bit harder with the food situation. You might have to have the right community members to make this work for the food situation. Or use your outposts because there's not a lot of wiggle room there. But I think this base is pretty good and I think it can work for you. Aesthetically, it's definitely a fun base to use, I think. like Aesthetically, I really like the look of this base too because... Having those storage lockers like that and, you know, being able to place facilities in them, it's really cool lore wise because, you know, you think of the lore of this and like somebody was using that store storage locker before the zombie apocalypse happened and then it got turned into something else. And it's really cool to think of that. But overall, it's a pretty good base, honestly. I mean, the highlight is that elaborate storage like that is really nice to have that. So, yeah, I definitely love having the elaborate storage there. But that's pretty much all to say about this base. I mean, there's not any huge, huge drawbacks. The biggest drawback is just the sheltered bed situation, which unfortunately that's the drawback with a lot of these bases is that it doesn't have a great situation to deal with the beds issue. And the parking is only three slots. So you could have some more parking there probably, but it's a pretty good base though, honestly. But moving on next, we have the container fort, which a lot of people like to use this base. And it's the favorite base of a lot of people. It does cost 3,500 influence to claim it. And it takes eight people to claim this. You have to have eight people to claim this base. The existing facilities, it has a fire safe storage level three. It has three parking spots. It has a workshop level three. And then it has a slot passive built-in barracks level two, which provides eight beds. And it has a passive slot castle doctrine, which allows you to sign four armed guards to protect the community. And it's no ammo cost to maintain that open slots it has two large slots and five small outlord slots 
So basically, this base has the space to do whatever you want, pretty much. I mean, it, it's the closest thing in State of Decay 2 to having an open base where you can, you know, sky's the limit, you can do whatever you want and, you know, knock yourself out. I mean, this is the closest thing to that in State of Decay 2. Honestly, I think this base is so good that it's actually too unbalanced. I think, in my view, I know this would upset a lot of people, but I like to have things very balanced because I like playing games that are more balanced and I like, you know, having a lot of choices. And I think this base is too overpowered that Undead Labs should try and nerf it a little bit. Because, for example, that slot passive that gives you eight built-in beds with the barracks level two, that is ridiculous because on top of everything else, you already have all the beds you need. And that is just ridiculous because... I think if they take that away, if they just take away that passive slot and you don't have the barracks level two included, then I think in that situation, you know, it, it balances this base out pretty nice. But I think with that on there, it, it makes the base too overpowered because you don't have to worry about beds. You don't have to worry about having a workshop. You already have one. You don't have to worry about storage. Your storage is already built up for you. I mean, you pretty much don't have to worry about anything like you already have your beds, you already have your storage, you already have your workshop. All you really have to do is build an infirmary and then build whatever you want and try it out. I mean, and that's the problem I have for this base. Like, this base is great for a beginner. I mean, for a beginning player, this is the base you want because this base will allow you the room to learn about the facilities. So if you don't know what a lot of facilities do and you want to just play around with them and test them out, this is the base to do that at because this base has everything for the most part that you need already built in and all all the open slots for it all you have to do with those slots is just play around with them and see what works you know oh if i build a lounge here you know what's going to happen if i build a lounge here oh, maybe i can build an auto shop you know let's see what auto shop does for me you can actually play around with it and build different facilities so i think this space is great for a newer player but i think for an experienced player like myself for example it's still a great base don't get me wrong like it's an amazing base and it does pretty much everything you want but problem i have is that for an experienced player it does make things a little bit too easy i would say because there's not a lot of thinking involved in you know designing this base i mean sure it has a lot of slots so technically there's a lot of thinking in what slots you want but i mean when i sit at this base i'm often finding where Oh, I have extra slots to waste. Let me just, you know, throw something in there. Let's do that. I mean, because this base almost has too much for you to do. So I think for my taste, I prefer to use other bases over this one only because this base just doesn't give me a lot of thinking and strategy that I like. I like to, you know, strategically plan out my base that way. Okay, I have my base set up just how I want it and... You know, this is a great combination for my base. With the container for, I mean, I don't really have to do a lot of thinking if I don't really want to. Like, I can just, you know, okay, let's throw this there. Let's throw a farm there. Let's throw that there. Okay, we're good. Like, I do do thinking for it anyways, because I was just at the container fort and I switched today. And I did have my base set up at the container fort. That way it was really advantageous. But even so, if I didn't want to, I could just, you know, go willy nilly, throw whatever I want in there, and I'd probably still be okay, for the most part. So I guess it's not really a knock against this base. But I would just say, instead of a knock, it's more of, you know, less of a challenge to use this base is how I put it. So 
Container Fort is an amazing base and it does a lot of great things for you. And if you're a newer player, I would definitely say go to the Container Fort, you know, play there and try it out. Because if you play at the Container Fort, this is going to teach you a lot about the game. The Container Fort gives you a lot of room to learn about the game. And that's what I love about it. And it's great for learning about the game. But if you'd already know a lot of the ins and outs of the game, it's a little bit boring in a sense for you because you don't have to do a whole lot to make it work. It already works for you. It already does the job for you. So it's it's more of a like less of a challenge, I would say, to play at this base. It's not really a knock per se, because technically speaking, I mean, this base does the job that you want, you know, everything done that you want. And that's really the only possible negative I have to say about it. I mean, maybe if you wanted to say, you know, it only has three parking slots instead of four, but I mean, three parking slots instead of four, like you can make that work more easily. And the parking situation for this base, it is a little bit boxed in. It's not that much open. So it is a little bit harder to fit cars into those parking spots, but it's not anything you can't handle. I mean, I was just handling it for you know a while and then I just switched bases today. I switched bases today to try out some of the other bases before this podcast, because even though I had tried out some of the other bases beforehand, I wanted to try them out a little bit more just to get a better feel for them. But my recommendation for Undead Labs, you know, take away that passive slot that has the built-in barracks level two, because that passive slot makes this base a little bit too overpowered, and it takes away some of the thinking of the space. So I think if that passive slot is taken away, then I think it still provides a lot of opportunity for new players to explore, and it also provides more opportunity for experienced players to set things up the way that, you know, makes it challenging for them, because for experienced players, with having that eight beds already built in, it doesn't give a lot of challenge for us right now. So I think if you just take away that passive slot, some people might be upset about that, but I think it makes the game more balanced that way, because then if that passive slot is gone, it's going to give experienced players more of a challenge, and it's going to give newer players a little bit of a challenge to where they can still explore with this base, but it's going to give them a little bit of a challenge because they have to solve that issue of having beds. So I think that is the fix to make this base more balanced, in my opinion. Overall, you know, great base. I mean, it's got a ton of slots, like five small and two large, you know, slot wise, you can't really want much more than that. So it is a great base in terms of that. And I will give a quick shout out to uh, my friend Maris on YouTube. I I know he doesn't like this base, but as much as he doesn't like it, I mean, it's hard to knock much about this base because it does do a lot of things for you. So the only other thing I'll say is at 3,500 influence, it does cost a lot to get this base. So I probably prefer to keep my influence and use one of the smaller bases and make that work for me just to have more influence because the value for this base, it might be a little bit overpriced, but and again, having those beds built in, it, it kind of takes away some of the overpricing. So, you know, 3,500 influence is probably pretty fair for this, but I would just probably prefer to keep some of my influence and use one of the other bases, perhaps. But last but not least, we have one more base to talk about. We have more and more distributing and more and more distributing is actually the base that I am currently at in Cascade Hills. That's not necessarily meaning that you know that's my favorite base. That's just because when I was trying out the bases today, that one is like in the middle of nowhere. And that was the last one I went to to try out. So that's just kind of where I'm situated right now. But it costs 1500 to claim. And you need six people to claim it. The existing facilities it has a shelter beds, shelter beds level two, 
has a machine shop, has four parking slots, it has a huge fuel storage, it's got a backup generator, it's got two large slots that are open, and it has one small indoor slot and two small outdoor slots that are open. So basically all in all with this base, you have two large slots and three small. And then you got your four parking, which you know your parking is great. The machine shop being built in, that's very handy as well because you don't have to worry about your workshop that's already built in for you. So that is, you know, a huge relief because then you don't have to waste a small slot on that. You have those small slots to do what you want with them. And the shelter beds being built in, I mean, if this took away some of the small slots, then I'd probably be a little bit upset about it, but it doesn't. So, you know, that does help. And I think these shelter beds, like, I think, you know, having those there actually is really big help to you because a lot of these bases don't have, you know, it has one shelter beds level two and that's it. But this one actually has an extra shelter bed. So if you upgrade that, you get an extra sleeping spot. That is very helpful to have the extra available because right now, um, I think my community is at eight people right now. I like to keep my community at eight people. Like I know some people like to go up to 12, which you can go up to 12 if you, you know, use some tricks, but I like to keep mine at eight just because it keeps it more streamlined for me. And for me, it just, you know, it makes it better for me management wise to have eight people. So I like to keep eight people. And if I find someone that's really good that, you know, is recruitable, then I'll usually kick one of my people out that isn't as active or isn't as, you know, useful to me. But I kind of like to stay eight people personally. And for eight people right now, I upgraded one of the shelter beds and I have one beds outpost and that that takes care of my bed situation right there. So, you know beds wise that works out well for me and i mean honestly you know this base is definitely a base that you can stay at for a long time and definitely a base a that you can actually make work for you very well the backup generator i would say if you already have you know free power free power and water from the builder legacy boon then this isn't going to be useful to you at all but that being said if you don't have that it's nice to have this backup generator because all you have to do is, you know, click a button for one feel and you get power. So I think it only lasts an hour, but still, it's it's great to have it there. The huge feel storage, they weren't kidding with this. I mean, it gives you like plus 100 or something like that feel. So like right now, my base, I have 147 feel storage. So that is crazy. And I mean, I'm never even going to have it. I feel to fill it up. So the one negative thing about that, though, is... With this, I mean, the huge fuel storage doesn't do a lot for you because I would say fuel is the thing you need least storage of. I mean, if I only had like 15 or 20 fuel storage, I could probably get away with that. Like what I would rather have is I would rather have like 140, you know, material storage because materials, I always find a lot of materials. I don't need to use them. So I would rather have a lot of material storage than fuel storage. But I mean, if you are going through a lot of fuel and you're using a lot, you know, this is a way to, you know, make use of that. The four parking spots is very nice, too. And honestly, you know, this base is a great base. I mean, it definitely works well for you. It definitely does everything you want it to do. It's a base that I'm going to try out for a little while in my playthrough just because, which I'll say real quick, one of the things I would like the devs to hopefully fix in the future is um, I went from the container fort today and I went to some of the smaller bases to try them out. And I lost so much influence because I had 9,999 influence. So I was maxed out on influence. And just by going to a couple different bases to try them out, I lost 3,000 influence. So it feels kind of crummy to me. Like, I'm not that worried about it because I can just 
I can always regain the influence. Like, I'm not worried about regaining influence, but it, it does feel kind of crummy that I lose 3,000 influence just because I wanted to try some other bases out. So I would say that's something that the devs should maybe look into in the future when they're trying to you know, balance things a little more is it shouldn't feel crummy to the player that, you know, you want to try other bases out. And because you want to try other bases out, you're losing your influence. Like, I understand what they did with the um, nerfing the outpost situation because they nerfed that in patch 3.0 to where if you, you know, destroy an outpost, you lose 60% of that. But I feel like with the bases, you know, you shouldn't be discouraged from trying at other bases. Like, I feel like, you know, this is the zombie apocalypse and your community is surviving. If, you know, one of your members is out on a scavenger run and they go, oh, you know, they get back to your base. They go, oh, hey, you know, uh, Jim, I found this really cool base that we could use. Uh, you know, I really think this church on the hill could be a great base for us. Maybe we should move our community to the church on the hill. You know, maybe it's going to work out well for us there. You know, but then the other guy's like, well, it's going to cost us too much influence to go there. I'm sorry, we can't do that. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how it feels a little bit. Like, obviously, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, of course, but that just kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of how I'm feeling in my mind is that it's a little bit discouraging to go to other bases just because you lose your influence by doing that, especially in a situation where I'm going from a 3,500 cost base in the container fort to like, I think I went to lock and key next because it was the closest one to me. I went to lock and key, which costs 1500 and I lose my influence. Like if I'm going from one that costs more to one that costs less, I, I really think in that situation, you should be not losing influence. I could kind of understand if say I went from like the bridge fort to, I don't know, the container fort. if I went from the bridge fort to the church on the hill, like I understand losing your influence in that situation more because in that situation, you know, you're going to base that cost more. So you're going to have to pay more to get that, obviously. But I think because I thought your influence was refunded completely when you switch bases, but apparently that's not working properly or I'm not sure because I thought, you know, earlier in the game before some of these patches that you would leave a base, go to a new base, you'd be refunded all your influence. That's what I thought happened, but maybe somewhere along the line that changed because I feel like I should get my 3,500 influence back and then, you know, go to the new base and pay 1,500 for that. But what could have been the issue perhaps is because I was already maxed out at influence, that might be part of the issue because maybe the game tried to refund me, but because I was already maxed out on influence, maybe the game couldn't do that. So that might be where my issue lies because maybe because I want, remember when I went from the container fort to lock and key, I ended up with 8,400 influence. So maybe that was part of the issue where the game couldn't actually pay me the influence that I was supposed to get. And maybe that's why that happened. Or it could just be an issue that maybe they took away the ability to refund influence when you switch bases. But um, I would say that either way, regardless, that's something for the devs to look into because I think that it's kind of a negative situation for players when you switch bases and you have to worry about losing a lot of influence just because you want to try out a different base. So I think that takes away some of the effect that Undead Labs might want for you to... Cause I, I would feel that Undead Labs probably wants you to try different bases. So if they want you to try different bases, I think that kind of negates that effect. But you know, that being said, I'm not that worried about it, obviously. I mean, like I said, I can always get more influence, but... 
it kept happening to me because I went from uh, lock and key. I next went to the church on the hill. I lost more influence. I went from the church on the hill to more and more distributing. I lost more influence. So I started with 9999 influence and I ended up with like 6,500 influence. So it, it feels weird that like, oh, let me let me go try out these bases and I lose like 3,000 influence by trying out bases. But it, it's not a huge issue. I would just say for a newer player that isn't as confident about getting more influence, it probably be a bigger sting for them because if you're someone that, you know, isn't as familiar with the game and you're not, you know, confident that you can get your influence back, it might feel like a bigger kick in the teeth to you that, oh, I just worked really hard for this influence. I, I got all the way up and now I just lost it all because I wanted to try it from base. Like, I feel like for a newer player, that's really going to discourage them from wanting to switch bases. So I really think it's, you know, in Undead Lab's best interest to take a look into this and maybe um, rework that a little bit, or maybe it's a bug that I was experiencing, or I'm not really sure where the issue lies, if it's a bug or if it's in the game's design now or how that exactly is supposed to be working. But I think regardless, it should be working to where you don't have to worry as much about switching bases because you want to try one out. So that is just my personal view on that. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there, you know, if Undead Labs wants to change that, then great. If they don't, then I'm still going to enjoy the game the way it is. Like, I'm not worried about it on a personal level. Just I think for other players, it's something that really could deter them from wanting to play this game more. So I think it's in the best interest of the game that this does change slightly. But that being said, I mean, I don't have a lot left to say about more and more distributing. Um, it's a pretty good base, honestly. I mean... I think the huge fuel storage is, you know, fairly unnecessary. You know, it's not going to do a lot of wonders for you. But I think this base is one that you can sustain very well at. And I think this is worth the 1500 influence cost to go here because you're already going to have that machine shop built in, which is great. You're going to have four parking slots, which is great. So I think it's worth the cost that it takes to get here. And I definitely think it's one worth having. But the other knock against, I will say, is this is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, like this is the most middle of nowhere base you can ever get because this is in like the top right corner of the map. And with this base, I mean, it's just a pain because there's nothing else around it. Like most of the bases, there's at least stuff to loot around it. This base doesn't even have things to loot around it. Like there's one shed next to it and that's about it. There's nothing else around this base to really loot. So in that respect, I mean, the one good thing is you're probably not going to get a lot of infestations around you because there's nowhere to put an infestation because there's no buildings around. But on the other side of that, I mean, there's nothing for you to loot. So if you're a new player and you go here, you're going to have a hard time looting because there's not a lot around here. So you're going to have to take your car and go all over the map. And that's also a knock against it, in my view. And that being said, uh, real quick, I'll just go over the locations for some of the other bases in here. Because I didn't specifically name where they are on the map. So, you know, more and more is in the top right. The container fort, that is going to be located in the south of the map. It's going to be on the southwest of the map, towards the bottom. The lock and key self-storage, that will be in the northwest. So if you go all the way to the northwest, it's, you know, pretty much in the corner. It, but it, um, the container fort and the lock and key, they have a lot more things to search around them. The Justino house, that is going to be in the southeast. So in the southeast part of the map, it has a little bit to search around it. The corner office, that's pretty much dead in the center of the map. 
It's got a huge community around it, so there's a lot to search around that. I mean, Corner Office probably has the most to search around it than any other base. So that, that is, you know, a plus for it in some senses. The Church on the Hill, that is also in the center of the map, but it's a little bit further east. So it, it's pretty much in the center, just a little bit further east. And the Bridge Fort, the Bridge Fort is, um, it's not exactly center, but it's not exactly east. It's kind of like... I don't know, mid-east in the map. I mean, it's kind of a little bit hard to describe, but it's um, it's basically fairly far south, over to the east more. So, and it obviously, you know, is around a river because it's a bridge fort. But it's kind of a hard location to describe with audio a little bit. But if you look, um, if you go down to the south of the map more, and it's on the east side a little bit more. And if you're looking from the Justino House, it's uh, pretty much directly west of the Justino House. So that kind of gives you a little bit of an inkling where it is, but that's kind of the locations for these bases. So that being said, we will you know, go through my rankings now. So we'll jump right in there. Number seven on my rankings is the Bridge Fort, actually. And I don't want people to get discouraged because the Bridge Fort, I do really like the aesthetics of it, but with this map, it... It was hard with this map because it was even hard to pick number seven because honestly, all seven of these bases, they're all interesting in their own way. Well, maybe the starting base isn't as interesting, but because we've seen it before, but all these bases are interesting in their own way. So like even though Bridgefort is number seven on my list, it's not like it's not worth trying it out. It's definitely worth trying it out and it's definitely a fun base, but the Bridgefort, it just doesn't cut it for the value for you. I mean, you're paying 500 influence and all you're really getting is you're you're losing beds, you're gaining a large slot, and you're getting a couple of watchtowers that you probably don't really need. So it, it's not really worth it for you to use this. The other thing I didn't mention before, too, is, you know, you can park three cars there, but, you know, a couple of cars are parked on one side and a couple of cars parked on the other side. So you have like a river in between you. So it, it's kind of like separating your cars. So it's kind of weird in that way. But, I mean, the Bridge Fort is one that if you haven't tried it yet, I would try it. If you've already tried it, then I probably wouldn't go back there because it's hard to sustain a good community there. Number six is the Corner Office. And I've even put in the Corner Office number six. And th this is one that I've actually spent a lot of playtime with myself. I mean, I used this the first time I beat this map. I used the Corner Office. So, you know, it's one that I've actually used a good deal myself. And... The location is great, and that's why I actually went there the first time, is the location being right in the center like that, the location is very nice. Just, again, for the value it gives you, it doesn't give you that great of value. But yeah, I mean, it's not that bad of a base, it's just it doesn't give you the value that you want for your next base. So it's a base that, again, I wouldn't recommend using, you know, much more than your first time, because especially with that parking situation... The parking situation at the corner office is one of the worst parking situations in the game just because it's two slots and those two slots are so congested that you really can't fit a lot of cars there. So the parking situation is one of the worst at this base, actually. Number five, we have the Justino House. You know, some people might be a little bit surprised that I made it to number five on my list, but the way Undead Labs and, you know, Brian Giami built these bases, they actually made the starting base, like, very viable. I mean, I would rather stay at the Justino House and, you know, wait to build up influence, then go to the corner office of the bridge for it. And that's kind of what this ranking is for, because in my personal opinion, you're better off to stay at the Justino house and not go to the bridge for it and not go to the corner office. Because in my opinion, the Justino house can do more for you for better value. 
You're paying nothing to stay there, so you didn't have to use any influence to stay there at all. And if you save all your influence, you can go to one of the ones that are above this base instead. The corner office and the bridge fort, they're not going to be as great value for you. You know, they, they're okay. You know, they, they can work for you for a little while, but the Jessino house, it can get the job done for you and it can keep you sustainable into the mid game. If you want to, you can stay at the starting base until the mid game and you're pretty good. I mean, you can't end the game here because it doesn't have a large slot, but it sustains you pretty well, honestly. Number four is actually going to be the base that I'm currently at. Um, more and more distributing. So for me, more and more distributing, you know, it's, it's a decent base. I mean, it can get the job done a little bit, but the backup generator and the huge fuel storage, having those built in, I think is a little bit of a downside in the sense that it's not something that every player is going to really need or, you know, want to use. And it does have, you know, a couple shelter beds there, which that's nice. That does help you out. But... For my taste, you can get better value elsewhere. I mean, for 1500 it's not like it's a bad value. It's just for more and more, I think there's other bases that provide a better situation for you for, you know, that are more cost effective, I would say. It does have the machine shop, though, which is nice to have the machine shop built in and does have four parking slots. So it's definitely a solid base. It's just I think other bases are a little bit more solid. Next at number three, though, we have the church on the hill. And I actually consider making this number four, but I think it's a little bit better than more and more. The reason why is this base allows you to do a little bit more than more and more. <laughs> no, that, that pun wasn't intended, but you know, it just kind of happened on the fly. But um, this base, you know, Church on the Hill, it has one large slot and it has five small slots. So, you know, basically the things that you get from more and more, you get that machine shop built in. But you can just take one of your small slots from Church on the Hill and build that machine shop pretty much. So it's not like it's giving you that much difference. And this also comes with a free morale boost from the gorgeous environment, which, you know, it is a gorgeous environment around that base, too. And the bell tower, if that works the way it's supposed to, or even if it doesn't, it still helps you out by giving you minus seven zombie threats. So you have you know, a chance to get very little threat at this base, which that is very nice to have very little threat at your base if you want to you know, play it that way. It's got four parking slots, which, you know, four parking slots is the most amount you can have at any base. And it's just honestly a fun base to use. I mean, I think this base is just better than more and more in general, because even though it doesn't have the second large slot, which, you know, it'd be nice to have the extra large slot. I think it provides you better value at a thousand influence than the 1500 influence more and more does. And more and more has things built into there that you don't really need, in my opinion. So while it'd be nice for the church in the hill to have two large slots, I think you can get it done with one large slot. I think you could really enjoy your experience there. And that's part of what this is about is enjoying our experience. So I think you can have a better experience at church on the hill because the other factor of that is church on the hill is closer to a lot of other resources than more and more is. And that is one factor I'm using in these rankings is more and more is so far out of the way of everything else in the math that. It's just so hard to justify staying there for a long time. I mean, I'm going to try it out for a little bit in my current playthrough just because I want to say, you know, yeah, I tried it out for a little bit and I stayed there for a while. But I mean, I think I'm going to have a better experience at the church on the hill or the two bases above this because the church on the hill, you can actually scout and get some resources. You know, there's stuff around you. I mean, of course, you can always drive a car anywhere you want. I mean, that's always an option. It's just at more and more, like you're always going to have to drive, you know, pretty far away to get to somewhere. And 
not only that, some of the roads around more and more, they're like dirt roads and, you know, it's just harder to navigate around that base and there's not as much around there. So for me, more and more, it just doesn't cut it as much just from those factors. Church on the Hill, you know, it, it cuts it a lot more for a lot less. So I think Church on the Hill is your better number three base. All right. Number two and number one, it was a hard decision for me. It's obviously between the container fort and lock and key. Um, but after much deliberation and after talking through this, I think for my personal taste, it's going to have to be number two is container fort and number one is lock and key. And the reason why is kind of like I was talking about before a little bit. For me as a gamer, I, I like a little bit more of a challenge for my mind and I like to, you know, really analyze things and think about them and think about how I can actually best use my resources. And that's what I love about State of Decay. So I think for the game that State of Decay is, I think the container port makes it a little bit too easy for my personal taste. So technically speaking, if I was to go just on, you know, technical pure stats, you know, nothing else, technically based on the stats, the container fort might be number one based on the stats. But when you involve your own personal tastes a little bit and how things work for you, I think for me, Container Fort has to be number two because even with like, you know, the eight free beds that it gives you with the barracks and everything like that, it, it's it just makes it a little bit too easy for me where I don't really have to do a lot of thinking. I like to, you know, design my base a certain way and be like, oh, I built this base. You know, it took me a lot of time to think this out and, you know, make this the way I want it. And it's really cool the way I have it right now. And, you know, you want to be proud of your base. And I'm not saying you can't be proud of your base at Container Fort because you definitely can. But I've heard a lot of people, you know, are at the Container Fort and it just feels weird, you know, if everyone's at the Container Fort and it feels like you can almost make a setup out of thin air that can work for you because this Container Fort has so many options available. And the fact that it includes the beds, too it just makes it a little bit too easy for my type of play style. Like I am very analytical and I like to analyze things a lot. So for me, there's not as much analyzing involved with this because it's too much open space. It's too much broad spectrum that I can do literally anything at the container for and uh, I can be okay with lock and key. I think that has some unique features and unique style to it that I really like the style of it. I mean, that secret distillery, I love having the distillery because I like to make whiskey with my trader leader and use that to sell for influence. And then on top of that, it has that elaborate storage. And that elaborate storage is so nice. You know, having 45 storage for everything, that is huge. And that is something unique to that base that you can't get elsewhere. So plus the uh, watchtower that's available there, that watchtower is really cool too. I think if I remember right, it does cost you ammo to use that watchtower, but even so, you know, I would rather spend that ammo on the watchtower and make a little bit of my challenge myself because even the bed situation, it's going to be a little bit more challenging for me to stay at lock and key, but I'll take that challenge. You know, I'll accept that challenge and I'll make it work. I'll make a base there that can work. It's going to give me a little bit of a challenge, but it's also going to provide me a lot of benefit. So that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, stats wise, the container for technically probably is the best base stats wise, you know. It's hard for me to argue against that stats-wise, but when I involve my personal opinion a little bit and how I like to play, I think lock and key self-storage is more my type of play style. I think lock and key suits me better as a player, and that's kind of where I'm at. So, you know, lock and key is number one. The container for it is number two. 
The Church on the Hill is number three. More and More Distributing is number four. The Justino House is number five. The Corner Office is number six. And the Bridge Fort is number seven. And, you know, that's all seven bases at Cascade Hills. You know, that's pretty much everything you need to know about them. So I hope everyone enjoyed this. And I hope, you know, you got a lot of benefit from it. I hope my analysis helps you. And, you know, hopefully some of the comments I made, you know, on the labs will take those into account and maybe look at potentially switching some things up in the future. Because I'm not sure if I had some bugs going on, but there's some issues I have with some of the bases here that I think could be, you know, changed to give the players a better experience. So hopefully, you know, we can um, change some of those things in the future, like the bell tower and the fact that I'm going, you know, trying different bases out. I'm losing influence by trying different bases out. I think that's something that's very negative for newer players. And while I don't mind it personally, and I'm okay with it because I can just regain the influence pretty easily. For newer players, I think it's really going to deter them from playing this game for a long time when they're, you know, trying to play the game, they're trying to enjoy it, and then all of a sudden they lose influence just because they want to try a different base out. So, again, I'm not sure if that was just a bug I was having because I could have swore that early on in the game I was getting influence back when I switched bases, but maybe I had a bug where I wasn't getting that. Or if that's the way it's supposed to be now, then I think that should be looked into and potentially changed. But, you know, that being said, um, I hope you enjoyed this. I'll, you know, say again that our next stream we're going to do is going to be on Mixer.com slash Blaze Experience. That stream will be uh, streaming Vigor. That'll be Tuesday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And our next episode of the podcast will be on Sea of Thieves, which will launch on Wednesday. If you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Acast, Blueberry, iTunes, Podbean. You can find us on Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts. Radio Public, pretty much any podcast directory for the most part. And of course, you know, don't forget that we have our Decay Fest coming up. I you know talked about that at the start of the episode. This is going to be so exciting, and I'm really looking forward to working with these other content creators to create some great content for a week. So Decay Fest will be happening September 9th to September 15th. You know, so just throw that in your calendar somewhere and, you know, okay, this week is going to be Decay Fest, and I got... A state of decay content all week so it's gonna be a great week and i'm really excited for that week so we're gonna get a new dlc we're gonna you know get some content from the great content creators these are all great people they all provide great content and i really think you're gonna enjoy their content and hopefully you enjoy mine as well so which if you're listening to this you probably do but hopefully you know you're gonna enjoy all the content regardless and we will have more news coming about that soon but, you know, stay tuned. If you want to join my discord, then that will be there will be a link in the show notes and you can you know talk to me about your thoughts on that. And you can get more in news about that because that's probably the first place I'm going to announce news is my discord. But I will be announcing news in the podcast as well as we come along. So stay tuned for Wednesday's episode on Sea of Thieves because Wednesday I might have more news. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how things are going. But definitely by next Saturday. Definitely next Saturday, I will have um, a lot more news on the schedule for that. So you can assume that next Saturday's episode, there will be plenty of news on Decay Fest. But until we get there, you can contact me on Twitter at Blaze Experience or find me on Xbox Live. My gamer tag is Blaze Experience as well. So for Twitter and my Xbox gamer tag, it's capital B L A I S E capital X, capital P, E-R-I-E-N-C-E. If you want to email me, that's perfectly fine as well. You can email me, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. 
And those are pretty much the main ways to contact me. So, you know, I really appreciate everyone checking out this episode and it means a lot. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to The Blaze Experience. Thank <laughs> you.